Today's reading is Matthew 5, 43 through 48. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the word of the Lord. If you come round to visit our family, uh, when you come in the front door, very rapidly you're going to find your bottom sniffed, uh, not by one of my children, but by our dog Molly. Molly is a chocolate Labrador, and here is what she looked like three years ago on day one when she arrived at our house. Uh, She was a very sweet little puppy. Uh, Hannah and I got her as a surprise for the boys. They'd been lobbying for a long time, so they came home from school, and there she was. Uh, And so she was absolutely adorable uh, during the first day. During the first night, she was not quite so adorable. Uh, There was a lot of yowling and yelling. Uh, But uh, anyway, we, we survived the first night. We forgave her. The next day, we gave her a bath dried off in the backyard and then we thought well how are we going to help Molly to become a, a, a valued and welcome and beloved member of our family so we we found out that down at PetSmart they had dog training classes so we took her down here and we taught her all sorts of things like we taught her how to sit here's a photo of her <laughs> early days of sitting uh, she was very obedient, and then we went through the, uh, the beginners classes for her at puppy school and uh, she graduated that And uh, she went on from there. She actually did, that was the uh, beginner's class, then she did an intermediate class, and then they did an advanced class. At the end of the advanced class, they had this long test. Part of it was uh, she had to lie off the leash for 10 minutes in the doorway of PetSmart, where dogs are going, coming and going all the time without moving, uh, so, which was quite an impressive test. Uh, and so there was, a, there was this journey we took her on of helping her to get trained up so she would become a, a, a more pleasant person to live with. <laughs> and um, here's the question I want to ask you. You can take that picture down. Uh, here's the question I want to ask you. Have you ever known someone whom you would love to have signed up for puppy classes? <laughs> you wish that you could send them off to obedience school so that they would get shaped and rounded and they'd be more responsive and attentive to others and, and more pleasant and enjoyable to be with. Uh, I don't know about you, I can think of lots of people. Uh, maybe parents... Maybe when I say that, you think of your children. You would love for them uh, to learn to, you know, no biting. Things like that would be a great breakthrough. Uh, Maybe some of you got colleagues like this. You think of in the workplace, men and women who you work with, and, uh, you know, they don't play well with others, and you want to teach them that. Maybe you've got a boss who uh, is a little too keen on marking his or her territory, and you want to stamp that out as well. Uh, maybe you've got aging parents and it's a case of that old dog does need to learn some new tricks. Whatever the situation you find yourself in life, there's going to be people whom you wish could get shaped and could get molded. But here's the reality. Quite a lot of them won't change. Some, some will, 
but there's going to be a bunch of folks in your life whom you cannot change. Raise a hand if you can think of someone like that in your life right now. Okay, just look around the room, all right? There's lots of hands in the air, some of them very eagerly in the air. One or two people digging the person next to them as they raise their hand. I noticed that. And we have to learn, as followers of Jesus, how to respond to them. And the key word we're going to look at today is how do we live with folks like that with patience or long-suffering, as the Bible puts it. Uh, We're in this series where we're looking at the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, it talks about this. And uh, with the fruit of the Spirit, uh, what it's really helping us to understand is how do we follow Jesus over the long haul? And and you see, um, what what God's trying to do with us, he's trying to instill within us the character of Jesus. Uh, Paul puts it like this in verse uh, 16 of Galatians 5. He says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So this, this picture of walking, empowered by God's Holy Spirit, to, to, to be a follower of Jesus is a journey, it's a walk. Uh, we know the destination, which is Christ-likeness and, and eternity with, with Jesus. But all through this life on earth, we're going to be on this walk of becoming more like Jesus. And uh, we want to see that happen. And, and one of the ways God helps us is he fills us with his Spirit. We learn to walk by the Spirit. To, in other words, to, to reflect more the nature of Jesus. We start to demonstrate the attributes of Jesus and the actions of Jesus as we live our lives. Uh, and God gives us very generously the, the Holy Spirit to help us do that. And it, as we've mentioned before, uh, with these fruits of the Spirit that Paul talks about here in Galatians 5, he lists nine uh, as Lou said in, uh, earlier on in the series, uh, that's not an exhaustive list. It's a list that helps to unpack for us a whole number of things that God will want to do in our lives. But there's nine we can start by focusing upon there. And these particular fruits, so we're looking today at patience, uh, they are both a gift and a choice. They're a gift because God is generous and he's kind. He loves to give good things to us. I would like to have more patience in my life. So it's a good gift to, to ask for. But it's also a choice. There's a way in which we need to cooperate with God to see these things enacted in our lives. Um, it's, uh, the reason we can understand their choice is because elsewhere these things are commands. In fact, each of the fruit of the Spirit appears as a command elsewhere in the Bible. So to take patience, you can just flip on a page in Ephesians. In Ephesians 4, verse 2, Paul says, Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. So we are people who both have this gift offered to us, and we have to make the choice of of living patient lives, of being forbearing, of being long-suffering with people around us. And when we think about this, it's, um, it's important to have the right uh, angle on it. it it's, when we think about being patient, it's less about um, not saying a naughty word when you burn your toast when you're, when you're trying to make a snack. It's much more, although you shouldn't do that, but it's much more, just to be clear, uh, it's much more about how do we respond to those who annoy us, who frustrate us, who really, really irritate us, who get under our skin, who niggle away, who have that habit, who do that thing that really annoys you. How do we respond with patience and forbearance to them? And um, this week and next week, there's actually two little words that we get it. 
uh, to fruits of the Spirit, which help us with this, which I think go together, and you see together in, in Scriptures, and they are patience and kindness. And it's almost like this. Patience is how we are meant to react to people, how we respond to people who annoy us. And kindness is how we can be proactive in reaching out to them. So the two go together. But this week we want to look at how should we react to those who test our patience in our lives. And uh, really the key that uh, Paul gives us in the scriptures here is that we need to make room for the Holy Spirit in our lives. So in other words, when we're struggling, when we're looking for more patience, we need to say, God, would you send more of your Holy Spirit uh, into me? Uh, I need you to, to help me. And, and, and it's like this. We have this. I don't know if you see this in yourself. I see it in myself. There's a hard wiring within me that fights against this. I don't know if you've ever noticed that in yourselves. There's, it's like it's, I have this instinctive response to situations which is anything but patient. Uh, we see this not just in our characters, but also actually in our biological hardwiring. There's a part of your brain, uh, we've got a picture of it here, that's where it is, right in the middle of your brain, uh, which is called the amygdala. And the amygdala uh, is also known as uh, like the fear center. And it's this bit of your brain which processes extreme emotions. So it's the fight-or-flight syndrome. It's when you have an overwhelming emotional response to a situation, to a scenario, and and that part of your brain, that little red dot, which obviously is its actual color, uh, that takes over and and it sends all these hormones all over your body. You go crazy. So it's really been wired into you so that when you come face-to-face with a saber-toothed tiger, you have a chance of getting away. Uh, the problem is we then uh, see lots of things as saber-toothed tigers all around us, notably when we're driving on the 405, uh, as I've been watching you lot drive out there. Um, and it's that scenario when the red mist descends. <laughs> Have you ever had that happen? Uh, I, I play a lot of soccer, and so I've seen guys there where the red mist descends when their, gate, their call doesn't go their way or they feel they've been fouled. But we see this in lots of situations in life. You have that moment where the red mist descends, and you lose control of your emotions, uh, of your feelings. And yet there's an interesting thing biologically, which is, with the amygdala, uh, there is a quarter-second gap between your brain recognizing the situation and your body responding. And I think there's a little picture there of what God wants to do in our lives, which is, he puts a check into the system. It's a little space where, if you like, the Holy Spirit can step in and help us to respond differently to how you might, by nature, want to respond. So if we apply this more to our characters, there's going to be times where you're, perhaps you have this hardwired response to someone who is frustrating or annoying or tries your patience, and you want to respond in this reflexive manner. It all goes, blah, 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 blah. but there's that little quarter, that's, that's kind of technical term, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but there's a little quarter-second quarter space or a little space there where we can allow the Holy Spirit in, and we can start to respond differently. We can start to respond with patience and with forbearance. We can have this room we can create that allows the Holy Spirit to take control. Uh, We read in the Bible, in your anger, do not sin. So there's going to be times where we get angry or we have strong emotional responses, but in those strong emotive responses, or when there's people around us who are niggling away at us, and that's going to happen, but in that moment... 
do not sin. And we can't do that on our own strength. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit to help us. Uh, Let me give you three ways, three practical action steps that that we can take if we want to grow in our patience, uh, which, uh, as God empowers us. And the first one is this. We need to change perspective. We need to change our perspective with those who frustrate us, those who try our patience. Um, Think of it like this. Um, Have you ever been with a young child, a a baby or a toddler, and something happens, there's a loud noise, sudden noise, and they kind of go like this, and they they look all scared, and they want to start crying? Have you ever been like that? Do you know the the parent trick where then instead of crying, you go, ah, isn't that funny? And they look at you for a moment, and they go, oh, okay, it must be all right then, and they start to smile. It works like this. Watch this video. Here's a little version of it. So that child being terrified by mummy blowing her nose. And yet you had that moment where you could just smile and laugh at them. And you see the child's processing all this and chooses to make a different sort of response. And we can do the same thing with God's empowering in our lives. Uh, Go to that passage which we heard read this morning, Matthew chapter 5. And uh, verse 43 says this. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. In other words, Paul, uh, sorry, Jesus is saying, uh, you have a particular perspective. Your perspective right now is, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But actually, what he's setting us up for is to say, I want you to have a different perspective. You see, impatience is all about me. When I'm impatient, I'm focusing upon myself. It's about my dreams. It's about my desires. It's about my deadlines. But as we learn to get a different perspective, we start to get God's perspective. We start to get the Father's heart for that individual with whom we're dealing. So we start to perhaps see that God's tenderness and compassion towards them, that maybe they are stressed out or they're fearful about a situation or they don't know how to respond differently, or maybe they do have a genuinely urgent deadline, or perhaps, amazingly enough, in this particular moment, they are more important than you are, and so you should let them go first. And so as we start to get the Father's perspective, as the Holy Spirit reveals that to us, we can start to change our perspective on that person, on that situation. Uh, In the book of Proverbs, chapter 19, uh, it says this, chapter 19, verse 11. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Let's be the sort of people who are, who are bringing glory to God by choosing to overlook offenses to us, things that have offended us, because we change our perspective. We ask God for the Father's perspective on a person. That's the first thing, change perspective. Secondly, pray for them. Pray for them. So you think about the people who frustrate and annoy and irritate you, Pray for them. Uh, Matthew 5, again, verse 44. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Uh, 
a number of years ago, I had a boss uh, who came into the church where we were part of and started leading it, and um, was, I, I won't name him, because some of you might know him, so we'll make up a name for him. Let's call him Hugh, Hugh Looseman, just for a random made-up name there. And, uh, <laughs> so we, <laughs> this was a long time ago, wasn't it? And, and this boss came in, and um, he was very dictatorial and very disempowering and really undermining of the whole team, actually. His view was that his view was the only thing that counted and everyone else needs to shut up and get into line. Uh, there was a lot of pride in this guy as well. He, the way staff prayers for the first 15 months he was there consisted of us sitting in a circle listening to him read to us chapters from books that he'd written, uh, which was, you know, of mixed edification. Uh, and so... <laughs> Uh, it, was, it was this very difficult process we went through, and the man really, really frustrated me. I was watching uh, staff leave, watching friends leave the church. It was a completely different vision. And, uh, you know, I knew he loved Jesus. I knew he was going to be in heaven for eternity, but I thought, Lord, I'm going to deal with the eternity bit when I get to eternity. Um, very painful time, real time of, uh, of personal pruning, of cutting back. Um, But in the midst of it, one of the challenges that the Lord brought into my life was him saying to me, pray for him. Why don't you pray for him? And to be honest, I didn't really want to pray for him at first, if I'm being candid. I mean, you know, you start praying, Lord, would you bless him? And then you go, oh, do I really want to see him blessed? Because I'm not really sure I agree with this vision. You know, you have all those dilemmas going on in your head, um, which is not very godly, but that's just the reality of what our hearts are like, our sinful hearts are like. And I had to learn to pray for him. I knew that's what God was telling me to do. And when you come to that place where you're starting to pray for someone, particularly someone about whom you have these strong emotions and you have perhaps negative feelings, it's, it's an interesting journey that you go on. Uh, you do feel quite torn and mixed. But as you do this, as you start to sit before God our Father, lifting this person for him and asking him to bless them and asking for his hand upon their life, uh, your perspective does start to change. And what God does is he reminds you that, yeah, that person might change as a result of your prayers, but even if they don't, what God is doing is he's changing my heart. And the Lord starts to soften my heart and your heart as you pray for that person. Uh, I can't guarantee that by you praying for the person who frustrates you, they're going to change. They might well do, because I think one of the most powerful things anyone can do is to pray. But even if that doesn't happen, you will change. And by you changing, the very act of you allowing yourself to have your heart softened, the hardness that's, that you've built around your heart to be gently soothed away and washed away and chipped away, that will enable you and equip you to respond differently and to love them better and to perhaps survive that situation with more grace and fortitude. That's part of what it means to, to live with patience and forbearance. That's the second thing, pray for them. The third thing we can do is love them. So change perspective, pray for them. Thirdly, love them. Think think of the weddings you've been to, and you have the classic wedding reading, 1 Corinthians 13, ripped out of context, slapped into weddings, but never, that's a different conversation. And 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, it begins, and you can all complete this for me, love is, hmm, love is patient, love is kind. 
we hear again that interesting pairing that goes on there. We hear the attributes of love being read to us in, in that passage there. And, and what, one of the things we learn from that is if we lack patience, we lack love for that person. And yet we're called to be a loving people, to, to love others around us deeply. Matthew 5, Jesus talks about this, verse 46 and 47. He says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? And so the challenge from Jesus to us is we need to find tangible ways to love those with whom we feel impatient, who upset us, who hurt us, who wound us. Uh, How do we bless them? How do we encourage them? How can we serve them? How can we be kind to them? How can we care for them? How can we do good to them? How do we tangibly put into effect the love that uh, Jesus calls us to have for them? Now, just to be clear, when, when I talk about loving people, that doesn't mean you can never challenge. There is a time to bring challenge into relationships, but I, I think it's only going to work when it comes out of a heart of love. When you challenge someone out of a heart of frustration and bitterness and hurt, it's, it's generally not going to work. Generally, that's going to cause an explosion. Uh, you have to start from a place of where I genuinely love you, and that's going to be the context from which challenge can be offered. Uh, so those are the three things we could do. Change perspective, pray for them, love them. But uh, it, before I wrap up, there's another thing that comes to mind as we think about this, this issue of people who, who, with whom we have to be patient, which is this. Why does God put us through this? In other words, why does God put people into our lives who really are frustrating? Like, why can't it just zap them out of our lives and everything will be good and cosy and we can live with just nice people? Uh, well, there's lots of answers to that, aren't there? The kind of slightly facetious answer is if God had to zap them away, then there'd be an awful lot of puffs of smoke right now, as most of us got zapped away as well. Uh, just to enc- and I would disappear as well. Uh, just to encourage you, it might, here's another thought, it might well be that you are the person God is using to teach someone else patience. Maybe you're the really irritating person at work or in your family, and you don't know it. You're oblivious to it. You've got the blinkers on. You think you're wonderful. No one else is getting that idiot. Arr, I'm going to kill him. And Jesus is using you to teach someone else patience. Wow. Can that be true? Me? Yes, it's probably you as well. So we're grateful God doesn't just do the zapping answer. Proverbs 14, verse 29 says this, Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Uh, There's a word that's used in England which we use uh, quite regularly, which is the word stroppy. Uh, stroppy is a fantastic word. It's an adjective, and uh, you've got a definition up there. It means someone who's easily annoyed and difficult to deal with. So it's classically used of toddlers, you know, a stroppy toddler. And then if you want to be rude and dismissive about a colleague, you can call them a stroppy old cow or something like that. We well, don't say that as rude. <laughs> don't say that. Uh, um, I d- just erase that from the recording. Thank you. Um, but you might use that term. And the thing is this. There's people around us who are going to be like that, and very often it's us as well. And um, it's because the reality is none of us like to hear the word no or wait. Not just yet. 
None of us like to hear that, and we behave like toddlers. We get stroppy in that situation. And the reality is, most of us are not actually terribly mature. And, and, and the people you're thinking of, as I'm saying, teaching this morning, the people who, with whom you do find it hard to be patient, yeah, they're probably not very mature. You're probably entirely right. There's probably a lot of immaturity in their life. Uh, and why does God leave them in our lives? Well, part of what he's doing is I think he wants us to understand better, more deeply the heart of the Father towards them. He wants us to understand more of the character of God and the ways of the kingdom. Here's a couple of examples from the scriptures. In Ezekiel, sorry, Ezekiel, Exodus 34, verse 6, uh, God reveals himself to Moses. Do you remember this story? And the way God describes himself, he says, here's who I am, I'm, I'm Yahweh, and, and he describes himself by saying, uh, I'm the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So we see in, in, in part of God's very identity is this deep resonance of patience and forbearance and understanding. Uh, Jesus then describes the Father in, in parallel language in Luke 15. We heard this taught a few weeks ago. Uh, and it says this about how the prodigal son, uh, you know the parable obviously, and when it, at the critical moment, so he got up and went to his father. And then we hear the father's response. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. You can imagine that moment, can't you? Father running, ignoring the norms of society towards his son, wrapping his arms around him embracing him, kissing him, welcoming him, full of patience, full of forbearance, full of love and tenderness. Part of why the Father leaves these people in our lives is to teach us more about who he is and to allow room for those characters of God, characteristics of God, to start to come through in us and for us to grow in those things. You see, God is training us. You know what? You actually are in puppy school, <laughs> Uh, but it doesn't just last six weeks, it lasts all of our lives. And um, he, he's training us to understand how he works and what he is like and what the kingdom of God is, 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 is characterized by. So to give an example, um, when we pray, for instance, when we pray for someone, for a situation, it's really exciting when we get to see our prayers answered. I mean, you must be in a situation where you've prayed something very tangible and the prayer gets answered. You go, wow, that is so cool. It, it's, it's one, and I think we're designed to see prayers answered. So God wants us to, to pray and to see prayers answered. Um, but here's the thing. Sometimes God answers prayers in ways that we don't like very much. He'll say, wait, not just yet, in a little while. I think off, sometimes... When God responds to our prayers, uh, it seems like there's occasions where he'll do something and we get the complete breakthrough in that moment. We get the sudden response, the complete healing, the complete breakthrough, the provision appears. And we're in awe and we're in wonder. And, and that's a, a wonderful moment when that takes place. And of course, we need to, to ask God for, the, for this. So there's situations where our greatest need is a solution. But there's also lots of situations where our greatest need is a process that reveals the solution. In other words, 
it's like this. Uh, we, we have times where we ask God for an oak tree and he gives us an acorn. He, he gives us a seed which we get to plant in our hearts, in our lives. And then as we walk on this journey, back to the walking theme, walk with the Spirit, um, this thing starts to grow and to develop and to flourish in us. And I think it's, it's to do with this whole kind of complex picture of what God's doing in our lives and how the kingdom works. It, it, it's things like this. It's God desperately wants to bless us, but he doesn't want his blessing to kill us. God, God wants to put good things into your life and into my life, but he wants us to have the character to be able to bear them and to withstand them so they really are good things rather than things that crush us and break us. Uh, God often wants to do things in such a way that we go on a journey with him so that we don't just get the thing and run off and forget about until the next time we need something, but rather then we walk uh, step by step with his arm around our shoulder, with our hand in his, and he walks us through learning to walk out this thing that he's given to us. And and God loves to do that, and, and so that requires us to have a patience in our hearts. And so I wonder if... um. One of the reasons God puts frustrating people in our lives is to teach us patience, partly because we need to learn how to love others better and we want to be a community that, that, that can handle people who are slightly irritating and we can go into our workplaces and neighbourhoods and extended families and live like that in a Christ-like way. And that, that's of great value in and of itself. But also I think God's using those moments, those relationships to shape us so that we, we understand more deeply who God is and how he works, so that we can reflect that more knowingly and more comprehensively in every situation of life. And, and whilst that's frustrating and challenging, I'm actually, if I'm honest, kind of grateful God does that as well. Because I, I like the idea of my father walking with me and not just giving me things and running off. I don't want a kind of a semi-absent father who just turns up every now and then in a kind of slightly guilty way and gives me keys to a car and then disappears. I'd rather I had an ongoing relationship and a walk with him and just allow that journey to work itself out. Uh, That's far more enticing, actually, over the long haul. And I think that's part of what God's doing in us. And so this morning, what we'd love to do is to pray for one another for... um, for patience for the journey. And as I've been talking this morning, some of you are aware of there's particular people in life where you know, it really is a sharp issue right now. Where you're going, God, I really don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm like about to kill this person. <laughs> and uh, I really do need your patience for them, your forbearance. And I know it's wrong, and I know there's sin, and there's judgment, and yucky stuff, but I, I'm at the end of myself. Please would you fill me with your spirit so I could show more grace and patience and forbearance to this person. You'll know if that's you. And uh, no one's going to judge you because we've all been in that situation and we all will have those times in the future. So that's the first group of people I'd like to pray pray for. You you know there's a particular person right now and you do desperately need the Spirit to come into you afresh to give you what you need to respond with patience. And then secondly, I just think it's this sense of... um, trusting God for situations that feel unresolvable right now and uh, saying, God, I I want to walk with patience in this situation and would you give that to me as well? There's there's, there's, there's complexities and you can't solve it and as much as you wish God could come and zap the answer, that's not going to happen. 
So it's almost like saying, God, in the, in the ambiguities and the complexities and the unresolvedness of this, would you please come close to me and give me all that I need so I can walk out this journey faithfully and I can honour you whichever way you take this. So um, we'd love to pray for you. Uh, there's also, so we're going to have some team around. We're going to worship. We're going to have some folks around who are going to be in pairs down the side of the side walls and maybe one or two at the front or in the middle row there. So in a moment, um, I'm going to get us all to stand and I'll pray in the worship team for that band. If you want to come back up now, that'd be great. Uh, we're going to just worship for a bit and we're going to enjoy God's presence. But this will be a time for you to, to encounter the Lord, whether in worship or just in silence. But some of you need to come and get prayer. And we're going to pray just very simply for God's spirit to come and fill you and that he would shape you. Um, while we were praying beforehand in the pre-service prayer meeting, um, we had a few people just um, ask God for words of knowledge for healing. So there's a couple of people. So if you need healing, we'd love to pray for you as well. But particularly someone who's got an issue with their left leg, the, the person who wants to do with their knee or their ankle. Uh, someone with an issue with your inner ear. Um, it's almost like the tubes are elongated somehow. I don't know if that's right. Um, someone, if you've got drug or alcohol addiction, and then someone who's, um, your, it's like your spine needs strengthening or needs making firmer, uh, particularly we'd like to pray for you. So you can pray for, come for anything, um, but particularly those that just stirs faith in you, you know that's you, come and get prayer. But particularly want to pray for this patience thing. So come out to the teams as they step out there. They'll pray with you. The rest of us are going to be worshipping, just meeting with God, and we're going to just have this few minutes of response time now. Okay, would you stand with me? And I'm going to pray for us. So, Father God, we thank you for your presence this morning, already in worship and in Scripture and in its teaching. And we pray now that uh, as we worship, that you would flood this place afresh of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and fill us afresh. Uh, there's so many situations where we need your patience and your grace and your, your love for others. Would you please come and... Um, Soften our hearts with your love, with your forbearance and your kindness towards others, that we may honour you. And particularly, Lord, for those here who are resting with a particular individual at this time, uh, I pray that you would um, come and meet with them over these next few minutes, that you would fill them afresh as they get prayer, uh, that they would meet with you and uh, be, be super encouraged. For those who are who have just faced big dilemmas, situations, uh, Lord, I pray that, um, again, you would meet with them and you would bring your life and hope afresh into them. And for any who need healing, Lord, uh, we, we pray for your gracious gift of that as well. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.